This is your itinerary for travel and photography with your host, Rob Knight. This week on Your Itinerary, it's part two of my interview with Juan Pons. We continue our conversation about RV travel with photography gear considerations, packing tips, and more. This episode of Your Itinerary is brought to you by Digital Photo Adventures. Discover your next adventure at digitalphotoadventures.com. The great thing about traveling in the RV and the trouble is that you feel like you can bring everything. Um, <laughs> how, does, how does that RV travel affect the camera gear that you bring? Even though this wasn't a particularly photography trip, um, did, you, did you bring specific things because you had the extra room that you might not have, not have uh, brought with you if you were flying? Yeah, I mean, that it definitely happens more often than I care to admit in that I don't think as hard about the equipment I'm bringing because I have that much extra more room. You know, I don't have to think about, you know, the weight when I'm going through the airport. Um, the, I don't have to think about the number of bags and all that kind of stuff because I have to pay extra for those. And then when I get to my destination, you know, carrying all that stuff from the terminal to my car or to whatever, um, you know, in the camper, you kind of like fill it up with stuff. Um, and you, you, you kind of get lazy and you don't spend as much time critically thinking about what to bring us. You say, well, you know, there's a chance I may, I may do this, so I'll just bring it. You know, whatever, just one more thing. And I will tell you, even though I have all this experience in travel and I've done quite a bit of traveling in the camper, I still suffer from that. When I went to Yellowstone, I brought probably two or three pieces, you know, significant-sized pieces of equipment that I really shouldn't have brought with me. They just they got in the way. I was always you know moving them from one place to another because I had to, was trying to move things around, um, and I never really got to use them. Um, so I would definitely you know I, I I need to be a little better, and I would encourage people to really think critically, even if you have a camper, even if you have all this room to take stuff with you, to to think really critically about what to bring because. You know, it's not just about the room and having the inconvenience, having the stuff around, but also it's the distraction of having that that stuff around with you. Is that, you know, you think, well, well maybe I, I brought that along. Maybe I should use it, you know, because after all this time, you know, I've been having in the car, um, as opposed to focus on what's in front of you and 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 concentrate on on other things. Sure, especially when you're traveling that way with your family, and then you have all these tools that you don't necessarily need, and and you just feel like you should get them out since you brought them. What, what are a couple of things that you brought that you could have just left at home? Um, for example, I brought a, uh, a slider. Um, I'm not sure if, if you know or, or listeners know what a slider is. A slider is a, uh, um, a mechanism that allows you to put the camera on it and actually when you're shooting video or you're shooting time lapse, allows you to do um, uh, uh, slow pans uh, or slow movements, uh, slow predictive, uh, predictable movements with the camera itself. Um, so there was that. There was my uh, my my big uh, um, complicated um, time lapse equipment that I brought with me. I could have done with just you know smaller equipment. I did you know my my small equipment. I brought three tripods with me, including a video tripod that I didn't need. I brought my video camera, which I didn't use once. I shot everything. I shot all the videos with a GoPro and my iPhone and with the camera itself. So you know. Again, I, I fell into that trap of, oh, why not bring it? I have the room. Um, so, you know, I should have thought a lot better <laughs> about that. Yeah. I probably could have saved a couple dollars on gasoline alone by not carrying that <laughs> extra weight. Probably so. And I'm, it's funny because I'm making that same decision right now, packing for Costa Rica in a couple of weeks. I've got my slider ready to go. And I'm thinking, 
I'm going to be teaching, and then I'm I'm gonna right. I'm, I'm doing a not exactly the same type of a trip, but I'll be working for a week, and then my family's meeting me down there, and then we're going to travel for a week. So, in either of those cases, I don't know when I'm going to be able to break out my slider and do some you know really uh, intense video stuff like that. So I know exactly what you mean. I have an extra tripod there. Like, well, maybe maybe I'll bring that. But you know, I've got to fly with the stuff. So if I was in the RV, I would just throw it in and not even. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But I'm telling you, man, that stuff was in the way almost every day. I was cursing myself almost every day because that yeah. stuff was in the way. And and like I said, you're thinking, man, I, I should use it because I brought it with me. And you know, kind of felt a little guilty about it. Whereas if I hadn't brought it, you know, it, I would not have thought about it at all. So. Right. Well, is there anything that you wish you'd brought with you that you didn't didn't have? Not really. I mean, I was, um, you know, I, I'm pretty good about the equipment that, um, you know, I've been doing this for so long that it's almost a, you know, a refresh reaction as to what it is that I pack. You know, I have my bags. I know the type of trip. I have, like, you know, you know how, how some people are obsessed with shoes? I've had kind of an obsession about camera bags. I think most photographers I think do. we all do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have, like, six different camera bags. But, you know, truly I use them. You know, I, I, ha I used to have more, but I've pared it down to about six. Um, and the reason is because they all have their specific use. So depending on the trip that I'm going, I know which camera bag to pull. And as I'm looking at the camera bag, I know exactly what equipment to bring with me. Right. Um, so, no, I, there, there was nothing that I thought I should have brought that I didn't, um, you know, only because I've done this so much that um, – and I have forgotten things so many times before that – um, that I do remember pretty well what, what to bring with me. You know, and I've done in the past put lists together and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't even look at the list. I just remember that. I think that writing out the list helped me in my, mentally remember what those were, um, where some people really need that checklist to go through. But, but I've gotten a little bit beyond that at this point. Sure. And that's a good tip, too. Um, the problem with changing bags all the time is then you try to remember what goes in what bag. So I have like you, just sort of a couple of regular bags that I use, and I look in those bags, and I know exactly what's supposed to go in every slot. So if something's missing, I, I you know, have a visual reference as to what goes in there. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, because I'm sure that you do this, too, is, you know, the bags that are set up, you know, I, I've set the dividers inside the bag, and I know exactly what goes in each of those slots. Right. So if I look at the bag, I can immediately tell if I'm missing anything, because I always put the same lens in the same slot or the same camera in the same slot, the same piece of equipment in the same slot, so I know exactly where everything is and where it should be. And right. I think that's part of that, is that's what's helped me remember what not to forget. For sure. Yeah, that's a great tip. Um, well, tell me about your, your workflow when you're on the road. If you're, um, are you downloading images to your computer every night, or, or is it you know every couple of days since it's not a specific photography trip or something like this? Well, um, for something like this, I think it, it varied. I think the, 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 you know, we're all eager to look at our images at the end of the day when we take them. So as much as I could, I would actually download my images at night. Um, you know, and I try to keep, you know, I try to keep very, things as simple as possible because I always feel that when you keep things sim simple, it helps you remember them and it helps you repeat them, you know, uh, reliably every time. Um, so, you know, my workflow is typically, you know, every night after dinner or whatnot, when everybody was sort of calming down and we were sitting around the fire or, or, or having a few drinks, I pull up my laptop, get the cards, put them in and download the images. And as soon as I download them, I would then import them into Lightroom um, and then perform a backup immediately to another drive. So images are always in two drives. And only until 
those images were backed up to a second device that I then format the cards that um, that are in the camera. Um, you know, and it, you know, you'd think that doing this, um, we especially with the family and all that stuff, would be a little distracting, but. People enjoyed it. People wanted to see the images of the day. People sure. wanted to see, you know, what I was able to shoot because they were looking at the images they had taken with their phones, right? They're all like, oh, look at this and, you know, sharing their images. But they wanted to see what I was able to shoot with the big camera and the big lenses and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of a cool event of, you know, them passing the laptop around and having people look at the images and, oh, that, that one's great and whatnot. Um, there were some days where, you know, we did more uh, other stuff, like we went horseback riding and then we went... Uh, river rafting, all that kind of stuff. They, those days, what didn't necessarily take as many images. Um, so may, some days, you know, I would skip a day and not download that day. But typically, I try to do it every day, if nothing else, to share the images with everybody that was with me. Sure, cool. Um, now, are your the cameras that you're shooting now? Are they uh, Wi-Fi enabled? I know most of the newer models are. Yeah, well, I guess I'm not. I don't have newer models then. No, mine are not my final. I shoot primarily with a Canon 5D Mark III, which is mm -hmm. getting almost you know around three years old at this point. Um, getting getting right up there, and it was you know the camera that came out after that. Um, I think the 6D is the one that came out not soon after that. Came with Wi-Fi. The 5D Mark III doesn't is, does not have Wi-Fi, so that's my primary camera. My backup camera is a 7D, which also doesn't have doesn't have Wi-Fi. Uh, as well, but you know, um, I have shot with uh, some cameras that have Wi-Fi, and um, I found at least until uh, up until now, or at least the way I did it, I find it a little bit cumbersome to deal with that. Plus, they sucked a lot of your uh, the battery off, of, battery life of your battery as well. So my experience wasn't all that great with using um, using Wi-Fi. I mean, I can see it where you know, in a particular scenario, in a um, in a studio setting or things like that would be actually really helpful, but in the field, like with the type of photography that I do, which is mostly wildlife with some, you know, landscape thrown in there, um, I think it's it's just not as uh, as convenient to do. Right. I I, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Um, the first couple of cameras I got with Wi-Fi, I guess I got two years ago, and um, I thought, well, I don't I don't need to use that, but. The more that I do road trips and think about social media and sharing images, mm -hmm. the more I use it. And and the way that I'll use it, will um, I went shooting with uh, my buddy Rick Garrity. We went out scouting a, a workshop out west, and so we would leave a location, and we'd have these great images, and we would immediately upload them to our phones. And then as soon as we got Wi-Fi or phone service, we would upload them to Instagram or Facebook mm -hmm. or Google Plus and that kind of thing. Um, I definitely don't use it for you know, downloading a whole card full of images or anything like that. It takes too long, but for uploading a couple of images here and there that you can share immediately, I think it's really great. Um, but again, that just depends on if your camera doesn't do that, then you're, you're right. probably not. Yeah, <laughs> and, and honestly, I mean, that. You know, and I think it would also depend on the way you like to share your images. I, don't, I typically don't share much that I haven't looked at on the computer itself, that I've had a time to really look at it and, and, and perfect it. I'm kind of, again... A perfectionist in that sense that I don't really share or post stuff that I wouldn't print and hang on my wall. Sure. Um, so, so I'm a, a, you know I'm not someone that uh, so shares so freely from that perspective. What images are there without, without me having had good time to look at them and edit them mm -hmm. um, if needed. Um, so, but yeah, but if but if I did having that capability would be would be really neat, especially if you were able to transfer, like you said, to an iPhone or an iPad or something like that, do a little bit of editing in Snapseed and, and then uploading them from there.
And that, and that's exactly what I'll do is is use uh, Snapseed or um, ViscoCam or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you said, just just polish it a little bit, and um, you know, a couple images here and there. I think is great. Cool. Um, well, have you have you heard uh, about more people using RVs lately? I feel like everywhere I turn, somebody's talking about they're going to rent an RV or or something like that. Do you think it's kind of uh, having a resurgence? Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, I know that uh, most of the RV companies are making, you know, record sales. Uh, uh, for example, Airstream, which I'm very familiar with, has sold more Airstreams in, in uh, sold more Airstreams in 2013 than ever in its history, even in the heyday of the RV industry, which is, you know, around the Great Depression. Believe it or not, really? you know, the RV industry developed. Um, Kind of at the end, or, or flourished at the end of the Great Depression, because it was a simple, cheap, you know, way for Americans to travel at a time when, you know, a lot of people didn't have a lot of money, and you know they were kind of down and out, so to speak. So it was easy for people to get, you know, in at the time, a lot of people built their own campers, um, and. And that's what developed the research, the, the the industry, the RV industry, so to speak, and um, um, and that's when the 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 golden days, as they said, of, of the RV industry was when they were, I don't know, something like 400 RV manufacturers in the country at wow. that point in time, and more RVs were sold then. But nowadays, all of these, um, most of these, especially you know, Airstream has sold more RVs more campers in 2013 than they sold any other time in history and a lot of other companies are doing record sales. I heard something recently that there is a shortage of transporters for the RVs because most of the RVs are made in Wisconsin or not Wisconsin in um, somewhere in the Midwest. I forget forget which which uh, uh, which uh, which state it is but somewhere in the Midwest and they need to be transported from there all over the country. Right now there's over a six-week waiting period before an RV can be transported because there's oh, wow. so many being built and so many need to be transported not enough people to move them so so yeah absolutely there is absolutely no, I, without a doubt a, a resurgence of of uh, of the RVs and the campers you see more of them on the road than you've ever seen and there's also more and more companies that you can rent RV from so that you if it's something you want to try out it's really easy to try out it's not cheap to rent them, but uh, but it's something you can do to make sure that this is a lifestyle. This is something that you want to do because it's not for everybody. Um, some people just don't take to it. Some people do, but you can rent one. You can even now there's even a company that will rent airstreams together with a with a uh, uh, with a car with a truck to pull them with. Oh wow, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's called uh, RV or uh, Airstream to Go, and they have they're mostly in out west, but they have. They have a, a place in uh, in Montana, in, uh, and actually in, in, uh, in Bozeman, so you can rent them there to go into Yellowstone and whatnot. Um, they have them in Vegas. Vegas is their big location. Nice, and that's pretty central to a lot of places that you might want to go in in Canada yes. anyway. Wow. Right, right. That's cool. Yeah, because even with gas prices the way they are, it's still cheaper to have an RV, pay for gas, and pay what twenty five dollars a night for a campsite than it is to go get a hotel room. And the more people that you're traveling with, the cheaper it becomes. You know, right. Our coach, and, and, our coach yeah, has a group where um, we've traveled with um, when our son was young, with our son and another couple. So with five people, it becomes, I mean, the cost per person is next to nothing. Right, right. And and not only that, I mean, yeah, there, campgrounds, you can find campgrounds are pretty inexpensive. You can find some campgrounds that are very expensive. But For you sure. can even 
camp in a lot of places for free. You know, when I'm traveling long distances, you know, I have a book that um, that has a, a, a camping for I forget what it's called, RV sites for free or something like that. The, 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 the title's a little misleading. It's basically locations where you can camp for $12 or less um, for a night. And, you know, there's a lot of, and it also talks about the different restrictions in different states. So, for example, in some states, you can actually stay overnight at the rest stops. Mm -hmm. So if you're just cruising through the interstate to get somewhere, you may be able to pull at a rest stop and stay there for free for the night. Yeah, so you're not going to be in a, a, a particular pre location or anything, but if all, if all you're trying to do is get from point A to point B, you can stay overnight in some places for free. There's also a lot of um, places you can stay for free or cheap. For example, the, the BLM lands, the Bureau of Land Management lands, there are a lot of places where you can stay for free in those. If you ask for what's called dispersed camping, um, where you go down a dirt road and you can, there's places where you can stay. There are little campsites. There are no facilities. You know, There's no water and no sewer and no electricity or anything like that. But you can camp for free. Um, I remember I stayed at a, you know, some towns have um, fairgrounds, and some of the fairgrounds will have little sites next to them, um, kind of like a little campground that you can stay at, and some of them are even free. I remember I stayed at a, at a campground, probably the, the, a really nice little campground at, uh, at this uh, fairgrounds in a town called uh, Blue Earth. Um, South that was South Dakota. I, now I can't. Remember. States are all kind of like merging into one another, but it was called Blue Earth, um, and the campground had water, sewer, and 50 amp electric, and it was free. Wow! To stay. You could stay only for two nights for free, but mm -hmm. it was absolutely free. So you know you can do it even on the cheap if you need to. Um, and if you find you know, state campgrounds tend to be cheaper than private campgrounds as well. So there's a lot of different uh, uh, ways to actually make it pretty affordable to to camp. Absolutely. And we've stayed at uh, in Walmart parking lots before too. A right. Lot, a lot of Walmart. Some of them have signs actually that say no RV parking because right. the word sort of got out that you could stay at Walmart's for free. But we've stayed for free overnight at Walmart's. But then there's a spot down near uh, St. Augustine Beach that we get a campsite right on the dunes, right on the beach for, I think it's $45 a night. Right. So you basically, you know, you have a beachfront, you know, condo <laughs> that you drove right. with you for $40 a night, and you can't I, find that yeah. in any, any sort of hotel or anything. Right, you can't get that, in, can't get that anywhere else. Yeah, and, the, and the, 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 um, the Walmarts is one thing. There's a lot of Cracker Barrels that you can stay at as well. Right. Uh, and Typically, it's, it's always a good idea to you know, call the manager and ask the manager to make sure that you can stay there. And some of them, I know, for example, <laughs> Bozeman in, in Montana particularly, itself, Bozeman, the town itself, doesn't have that many campgrounds. Um, you know, there, I think there's only like two campgrounds within close to the town, and there's another one that's about 20 miles away. So if you go in the summer to the Walmart in Bozeman, it looks like a campground. I mean, <laughs> looks, I, this, the looks most, like a camper dealership. Oh my God, the, the most campers I've seen ever. And some people had, some people were grilling. Some people had their chairs out. I <laughs> was just awnings out. Yeah, the awnings. It was, it was, it was incredible. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll admit, that I've stayed at a at a Walmart every once in a while. Typically, when I'm just going from one place to another, and there's nowhere else to stay, and I'm just trying to make time. I'll you know drive as long as I can until I get tired, pull into the closest Walmart, you know, make sure I'm able to stay there, um, and um, and make you know. And the other thing that's kind of convenient on the way back, there was one night um, that we stayed at a Walmart. I typically try to stay at the super WalMarts because those are open 24 hours a day, so there's you know activity around you and whatnot. Sure. Um, and um, 
I forget which state we were in on the way back. It was a super, super hot night. And, of course, I can't run my AC because I'm not connected to shore power. I'm running off the batteries. It was super, super hot. I woke up at 2 in the morning, and I was sweating. I was, this is incredible. So guess what I did? I got up, walked into the Walmart, bought a fan, you know, a 12-volt fan, brought it back into the camper, and plugged it in and slept like a baby the rest of the night. <laughs> so there's the advantages to staying at, at the Walmarts. <laughs> oh, for sure. And then you stop if you need groceries in the morning. You just That's right. Whatever you need, yeah. you need some toilet paper or something, you're, you're already there. Yes. For sure. Yes. Well, what's the next trip for the, uh, for the coach, for the RV? Well, you know, um, we, we, I live in Maine, and the, the camping season here is short. It's only six months out of the year, actually less than six months out of the year. Um, so we try to take advantage of it as much as possible. Um, but this, this past few weeks have been kind of complicated and, 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 and busy, so I haven't made plans for this coming weekend, which is a long weekend. Um, so I, today, that's after we're done, we're done with this interview, that's my number one task is to find a place to go because we try to go at least every other weekend during the camping season, believe it or not, oh, wow. um, camping. So we, we go camping a lot, a lot within the state of Maine. Sometimes we head to New York. Oftentimes we go into Canada. There's a lot of great places to camp in Canada. Um, you know, definitely into New Hampshire and Vermont as well. So I think this weekend we're going to stick nearby, but... Um, you know, and then I'm going to try, again, we're going to try to go as as much as we can until the snow comes in. Because um, even though, you you know, the campers have heat and all that kind of stuff, um, what happens here is that, especially northeast, is that, um, you know, in Maine and New Hampshire, Vermont and, and, and Canada, it's the campground's closed, usually around October 1st. Right. October 1st, October 15th, that's it. The, the, the season is, is done for the year. So there's not that many opportunities to go camping after that. So right around there, I go go ahead and winterize the, the camper and just put it away for the winter until until May. Yeah. April, May, somewhere around there. Sure. Cool. Well, um, man, I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, tell, tell the listeners where they can find you and find out about your Airstream and your other uh, workshops and everything. Well, everything is linked off of my uh, my website, and my website is Juan. That's J U A N Pons P O N S. dot O R G, um, and in there you'll see links onto my Airstream blog, where I've, I have a kind of little travel dialogue that I'm still catching up on from the trip that I was out. Um, I you know I, I have a lot of the pictures that I'm going to use already, but I always like to write a little bit of what was going on at that time, so I need to go in there and, and, and keep updating. So I'm somewhere in mid July. Right now, <laughs> <I could laughs> time imagine. to catch up with those trip with that trip. Um, so yeah, you can go there, and then in there there are links to my workshops as well. Um, this this coming, you know, the, some of the workshops that are coming up is obviously I have Yellowstone, which I do every year, which is one of the most spectacular workshops. I'm doing a workshop in Acadia in October, and then I have this epic epic trip to Alaska, um, where I've chartered a private yacht to take us around during the um, the herring. Uh, uh, spawn um, where all the eagles come down and there are hundreds of eagles coming down and not just the eagles but the whales and the seals and whatnot coming in to catch the fish and, and eat them. So we're going to be shooting uh, killer whales, eagles, um, all sorts of other types of whales and, and seals and all sorts of stuff and plus landscapes and we're going to be in a charter boat with a gourmet chef wow. you know, and even wine and beers included. Wow. When is that? That's in April of next year. So, and it's a 10-day trip up in Alaska. So, it'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, um, we're going to be in protected water, so we're not going to be in any of the rough seas or anything like that. Um, and we're going to concentrate on wildlife and landscapes. Wow, that sounds great. 
Yeah. Well, cool, man. Oh, yeah. So check him out at my website. It's swanpawns.org. For sure. Okay. Well, thanks again, buddy. And um, I will talk to you soon. And uh, I'll see you next week on your itinerary for travel and photography. Thanks a bunch, Rob. Take care. You've been listening to Your Itinerary with Rob Knight. Head over to thisweekinphoto.com to check out the other TWIP shows and get on our mailing list. Become a TWIP member to get exclusive benefits and member pricing on TWIP products and workshops. Start planning your next adventure, and we'll see you next week on Your Itinerary for travel and photography.